Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight uh, for us to be with you today, once again on this uh, Thursday, May 28th of 2020. We are living in in such a time uh, in this hour, so many things that are taking place. I tell you what, I, I do value this time that we have to break the word together. This is uh, something that we must all desire to do, and that is to break the word of God, to know what God is saying. It's a delight to have each and every one of you listeners. Uh, thank you for joining us again today, and we pray that you continue to join us and you can help us uh, tell others uh, about these podcasts. Um, so we are grateful that you can take out of your time to to listen to these podcasts. And um, today, as always, it is a pleasure to be with the panel, Brother Fernando, Brother Marty, Brother Jeremiah. It's good to be with you, men of God, and, and be able to break the word. I'm excited on this Thursday as we head toward the end of the week of what God uh, has for us today. So, Brother Marty, I'll leave it with you at this moment. Well, praise the Lord again for another day to seek him and to learn of his word. And we're excited about uh, what God is doing and what he's going to allow us to discuss today. I think it'll be a help to those that are listening, as it is uh, a help to me. <laughs> so I hope it comes out the way it is uh, that the Lord wants us to talk about it. <clears throat> and so uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, would you open them, please, uh, to first? Thessalonians chapter 4. And Brother Jeremy, I'm going to have you read, uh, if you don't mind, uh, from verse 1 through 5 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and uh, and we'll begin our subject today. Could you do that now, Brother? Yes. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. Amen. So, praise the Lord. Yesterday we began uh, looking at uh, the subject called the, the trial of our faith, the trial of our faith, and, and we began to discuss things um, that <clears throat> that most of the modern church today <laughs> uh, doesn't doesn't really hear anything about it, but uh, but we we began to see the the walk of the believer once that he is saved peter told us yesterday as we were talking about it, he said if need be you are in heaviness through many and varied trials and tests that the trying of your faith being more precious than of gold uh, might be found unto honor and praise and glory at the appearing of our lord jesus christ and so we began to explore what is the trials and tests and the kinds of things that come against us um, as believers, and you know, like I was just saying, you know, we're living at a time uh, when the modern Christian church, you know, it really, it, it really receives little, if any, instruction in the personal warfare that that a believer finds himself 
after, of course, you become a believer, after you're born again. Uh, it's a warfare, right, between the spirit and the flesh, between the old man and the new man. And it is a warfare. And it is something that that the enemy, I believe, has worked overtime to bring great confusion uh, to many in the church as to what it is this struggle uh, that we have is all about. And it seems like you know, there's many different things that they say, but really two kinds of opinions uh, have, and if you guys can think of others, just jump right in. But in our time, at least two opinions in the church have emerged. Uh, you know, there's one camp uh, that says, you know, it doesn't really matter one way or the other how I live or don't live. You know, I'm saved by grace and and uh, that's it. Once saved, always saved. And I ain't got to worry about it. I accepted Jesus, went down to the altar, said a few words. And uh, so it really doesn't matter. You know, I, I, I'm good with God. Well, that's one one camp. And, and then there's the other camp, right? He says, well, there's nothing I'm really obligated to do anymore. It's all been done at Calvary. And, and it's just going to happen by the Spirit, you know, by some weird osmosis you know the spirit's just gonna overtake me and before i know it i'll be doing i'll be doing what i'm supposed to do but you know i don't have to do anything and so there's these two kinds of thought and as i was thinking about that this morning i was thinking you know what's what's really common to both of these kinds of thinking is is this one it it removes the responsibility from the individual believer uh to come to the conclusion, uh, you know, that 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 uh, he doesn't have to do anything. He's not responsible for his own personal walk after he becomes saved. It's like he has nothing to do. There's nothing that he's, you know, obligated to do. Or there's nothing that he can do. And so, but either way, it takes the spotlight off the individual person. But in order to do that, in order to come to that kind of a conclusion... You really have to disregard countless scriptures that have been written by the Holy Apostles in the New Testament alone, you know, because they they use words like warfare and conflict and, you know, resist the devil, you know, all those kinds of words they use. And and so we began with this opening scripture that Brother Jeremy read because, Brother Jeremy, can you read verse one? Yes. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren. And exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. So there what we see and what we're really going to be talking about today is in in verse 4 where Paul goes on to say that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, his own body, in sanctification and honor. And so Paul begins to reveal here, as he's talking to the people, he says some very key key things. He says in verse 1, like Brother Jeremy just read, he says, we're we're exhorting you uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have received of us, how you should walk. And so first and foremost, he reveals to us that there is a way that we're supposed to walk and live, and and he wants us to understand that. And he appeals to the lordship of Christ, because that's the key, that the Lord has lordship and 
and domain over your life now. He calls him the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, he calls him God himself. And he's basically giving us that command. And he says, what we taught you, how you received of us, how you should walk, how you should conduct yourself as a Christian. And two things, how you should please God. And that you would not only know how and not only perform, but that it would increase, that it would abound more and more. And there's a key there. There's several things he's talking about. One, we ought to, uh, uh, how we should walk. So that implies information that's necessary for our Christian walk. How do we do this thing? Because like we started out talking about, if we listen to most of what's you know, being spoken of in, in modern day Christianity today, um, the, the how you should walk is basically thrown out the window. It's not even discussed. It hasn't even come across the radar because it's been a, it's been quite a while now in the last 20 years or so that we've ever that we even hear this kind of a teaching that there is a requirement that being saved uh, 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 so to speak and, and coming to to some sort of you know religious experience that that's sufficient that that's enough but it's not. And to and to abrogate our responsibility in the, in the matter is to completely remove the heart of what Scripture is trying to tell us. Are you there? Yes. Yes. So yes. <clears throat> he says to us as he's writing to the Thessalonian church, he's talking to them, and he says, "There's a how, and we've told you how. We've revealed to you how, and there's there's things that you need to understand about the how." You know, and and if we didn't need to know it, and if we didn't have any responsibility, then he wouldn't have said that. He wouldn't have said there's a way to do this. And he says how you are to walk and to please God. This is the requirement of of every believer is that we is that we please the Lord and that we that we are pleasing to Him. Like we quoted some scriptures a few days ago when we talked about what Paul said that we would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto, uh, uh, and, and walk pleasing unto the Lord in every good work, and then right. increasing in the knowledge of God. So again, work in, implies labor. And where most people get distracted in this whole uh issue that we're talking about here and I don't want to dig into you know into all those you know messages of the cross or hyper grace things I just I I threw them out there to show the the confusion that has emerged you have one extreme to the other but both extremes remove the responsibility of personal consecration sanctification and honor from the believer and so we live subpar lives in this thing that Paul goes on to say in verse 1, we're supposed to be abounding in it more and more. The fact that we can go from more to more indicates progression forward and increase in our spiritual development. And so we have a responsibility. And in verse 2, he says, we know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this, this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, 
that you should abstain from fornication, which is a very interesting thing. I mean, he didn't point out anything else. He abstained. He talks about abstaining from fornication, and he uses the 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 sexual uh, act aside from marriage as 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 what's the right word to use here as the uh, you know the container for everything that has to do with the Christian walk. Why? What is fornication? But it is it is relationship outside of marriage. And so he first uses that example, although it is true <laughs> that he's telling us to abstain from these kinds of activities, right? <laughs> he's using right. it to, to to emphasize that that you are not free and that you are not any longer considered to be unmarried, but you are married. And so quit acting like you're unmarried and we are married to the Lord, right? So he says, that you should abstain. That is a personal requirement placed upon the believer to not do something. And and that is to engage in any activity that is outside the contractual agreement that we now have, and it's a legal term, with the Lord once we have accepted his salvation and we've been born again. And he goes on in verse 14, he says, uh, I mean, verse 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4, he says that every one of you should know, again, there's that word, having knowledge of something, how to possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. He says, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, what, which do not know God. So he's saying, you know God. He's not talking about the unsaved. He says, those of you who claim to know God, in verse 4, he says, every single one of you should know something, and that is how to take full control of his life, of his body. Consider this. Before you got saved, you didn't even think about such things. But after you got saved, suddenly you realized the warfare that was now engaging in your life. Once you get over the the, the joy of your salvation in the first three weeks or a couple of months where you feel like you're alive and I'm going to serve Jesus. But when life begins to set in and reality begins to set in, suddenly you become aware of something. There are, there are impulses, there are desires, and there are all sorts of things like Peter talked about yesterday, manifold trials and temptations that come at you. And you've got two choices there. You can either understand it and how to deal with it. That's what Paul's saying. You need to know how to deal with it. Or you can abrogate your responsibility and latch on to some sort of incorrect theology that removes your burden of responsibility to grow up and abound more and more and become a vessel in the hand of the Lord that knows how to possess his entire being, spirit, soul, and body. And so he says, everybody needs to do this. This isn't, this isn't just, you know, the preacher. He says, every one of you needs to know, verse 4, how to possess your vessel. So he puts the burden on each and every one. It's an individual walk. And he says, in sanctification and honor. So let's just look at these things and discuss them. And you guys jump in at any time because... 
Uh, we all have different experiences of how we are working through these things. But he says, this is a command from the Lord. And he says, this is what we've been telling you how to, what to do since the first time I met you. That, that, and this is what you heard me preach, is that how you should walk and please God. It is the greatest disservice, I think, of the 21st century in America that we have had the kind of, of, of lack of instruction in these things so that, so that you're either all bound up and confused or you don't care at all and you're just living this completely sinful life. But Paul says you better know how to possess your, how to take control of your individual walk. So he says that you should know, and the word know, should know, literally means that you need to perceive and have the knowledge and the understanding of how to possess your vessel. So he says first you have to perceive and understand and have knowledge of something. And, and 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 literally what it means is is to ascertain what we have to do about it. It's not just knowing that I've got to do it. It's also knowing what I've got to do to make it a reality in my life, the possessing of my of my complete being. Prior to becoming saved, you had no power to do this. You didn't even think about it. I mean, just ask anyone who's ever tried to to, to go on a diet. <laughs> they did. They're pretty much powerless after a few days, right? Unless you're, unless some kind of assistance or something happens. But maybe I'm I'm revealing my own self here. But seriously, but to, you you should know. He says first you have to see, perceive, and have knowledge and understanding what needs to be done in order to possess your being. So he says you should know how to possess, and that's from that Greek word, uh, uh, omahi, kat omahi. That's how you say it. It's hard to say, but how to possess. Now listen to this. So, so lest we are 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 uh, confused about what he's trying to say, uh, he's literally saying you need to understand what you need to do to get a hold. That's literally what it means to get a hold of your body, to acquire it, to obtain it. And to possess it, and the word literally it, it means how to get a hold of your body or how to get a hold of this part of your being. It's a verb. And those of you, I'm not no English major, but I mean the verb means a, you know, it's it's an action, it's a doing, it's it's motion. And so the very fact that he's using this word how to possess indicates motion, and force, and strength. And, and the acquisition and the reigning in of the lusts of the flesh, his vessel, his implement, his body. If you remember in in, uh, in Romans chapter 6, he talks about um, that we should not yield our members, our body, as an instrument of unrighteousness, but as an instrument of righteousness or a weapon of righteousness in the hand of the Lord. So that that the very body that we possess becomes a an asset and a tool in the hand of God and a reflection of his dominion over all things. The fact that you can control your passions by the strength of the Lord, which is in you, once you accepted him as Jesus Christ as your Savior and his Holy Spirit came within us, he began the process of 
of giving us the strength and the and the ability to make the right choices. It's not going to happen if you just sit there and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you take all this from me. He's not going to do that, but he will work with you because you now have the authority given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ to acquire it and to rein it in. Prior to that, we couldn't do it. And so he says, you need to perceive and have the correct knowledge as to what has to be done to get a hold of your body. And he says, you, and you do this in sanctification. And that literally means uh, to separate yourself from profane things and dedicate yourself to God. It's the act of separation. It's the act of purity. It's the act of consecration, he says, in sanctification and in honor. That literally means to value as in dignity, uh, in deference and veneration. Those are all fancy words, but literally what it means is, is, is that you do this as an act of worship and surrender uh, to the Lord and for the Lord. Now that's really heavy, right? I mean, we just we just went through one little verse there, but everything that he's saying there flies in the face of everything that is being told us in the modern church. Because they want to take away the burden of responsibility that we have for maturing in the things of God. Uh little Jeremiah, can you turn over to Hebrews chapter 5 real quick while we're talking about this because I want you to read something there. In Hebrews okay. are you there? Yeah, Hebrews 5, verse 14. So to refuse to acknowledge what we're talking about is self-deception. You're deceiving yourself. And, 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 and you're not entering into the things that God has called you to do. And remember, we're talking about, uh, we're, we're continuing with the thought yesterday, what Peter talked about. He talked about manifold temptations. He talked about things coming at you from every direction and when we sit passively by and we don't react to those things then we will we will live a a non-victorious life claiming to have victory when we don't when our lives testify to the fact that we're not living up to the kind of uh you know uh the dominion that has been given to us in the name of Jesus Christ by the flow of the spirit assisting me in my life. Now, Paul says we should grow up. Are you there, Brother Jeremy? Jeremiah? Yeah. Chapter 5, read us verse 14, would you? Yeah. And it says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of us, of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So there he talks about strong meat or the deeper things of God belong to those that have grown up and are mature. And he says that the mark of maturity is that you have exercised yourself in consistent spiritual development to the point where your mental capacities take dominion over your being. And you know the difference between good and evil. And so it belongs to those that are of full age, implying that it is a growth process, that we're not meant to stay spiritual babies, but we're meant to grow in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and prove what is his acceptable will. 
that the testimony of my life on the outside should reflect, and it always does, what is the true inward reality of my consecration or lack thereof on the inside. I can no longer take the fallback position that I don't have any responsibility in this walk with God. Hebrews 11 tells us that they that come to God, that requires an act of my will, come to God, must believe that he is, that's my faith, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligence is an act of the will. It is a repetitive, uh, practiced spiritual development that is consistent. And over time, that diligence, he says, results in God rewarding them that diligently seek him. And it is that increase of spiritual uh, dominion over that which once used to control me. But if I abrogate my my um, responsibility in this, then I will never become like what Jer- uh, Jeremiah was just reading there, full age and, and, and receiving the depth of God's word, the strong meat of God's word, and having been developed to discern good and evil. So to refuse to acknowledge this is really self-deception. Brother Jeremy, could you read uh, 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 8 for yes. us? 1 yes. John chapter know, 1, verse 8. Something interesting, Brother Marty. Um, Paul also tells us in Romans that, you know, we have to constantly die to ourselves every day. You know, and it's just this continual process of us having to die to our flesh but I think a lot of people today with all these different doctrines and different thoughts and beliefs that are going on in the church, it's almost like we have a lot of Christians that are like zombies, you know, that are like walking alive, but they're still dead because they haven't <laughs> still died to the flesh, you know, like, like yeah. kind of like the walking dead in a little bit. And I yeah. think it's so true what you're saying. Like it, it's just created a lazy, lazy Christians, you know, Christians that don't want to take responsibility for their faith. Like, yes, the grace of God is there for you and it's unending. But there's also a responsibility that you have to take up your cross daily and you have to live a life that that really reflects who Jesus Christ is. And then you have to ultimately just live as a as a living sacrifice. You know, and I just wanted to add that in there as well. No, that's awesome. And turn over there, Brother uh, Jeremiah, while, while Brother Jeremy is going to get to read this scripture, because you brought out an incredibly great point there. Turn over to uh, uh, Romans chapter 12 while we wait. Uh, and we'll wait for you to read that while Brother Jeremy reads this. Because to refuse to acknowledge what we're talking about here, which is a personal responsibility to to live a consecrated life by an act of the will, and and, and that is is by, by taking the assistance of the Holy Spirit to overcome. We cannot assume, uh, or, or and we do so incorrectly and to our own peril, that we, we we're going to allow the Spirit Himself to um, to do all the work. All talked about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And like Brother Jeremiah just quoted so beautifully, there he talked about what Paul said: "I die daily. Every day I die." He says, "I make a conscious decision to die to this world and to not give in to the passions and and the lusts and the desires." that are raging in my body, which stand in direct opposition to the eternal reality of my soul and my spirit being born again. 
And, and if I think that I don't have to do anything, then I, then I must take away at least two-thirds of the New Testament and, and throw it out the window. Because otherwise, <laughs> I'm living a lie or I'm living a miserable, yeah. easy life like, like Jeremiah just said, like a walking zombie, right? I, I'm, I'm a dead man walking, man. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm living like the world, but, but inside I'm saved, you know. That, that, that's, that's, that's so bad. Brother, that's that self-deception. Would you read that in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 8, Brother Jer- Jeremy? Yeah. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. That's incredible, because because he's not talking to uh, to unsaved people here. He's talking to those that that know him and that have fellowship with him. And he says, if we don't acknowledge the fact that we deal with this or we have sin, he says we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. And who is the truth? Jesus, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so he's saying, if we don't acknowledge this and we say, oh, you know, it's all, it's, it's all done with. It, I don't have to deal with it anymore. He says, you're deceiving yourself. The issue of the, of the struggle is not for salvation. That's where people get crazy, you know, crazily led astray there. Because I'm not trying to save my soul. I can't do anything for that. That's what Calvary proved. We're all guilty. Right? The price for my redemption, that is for my salvation, and, and, to, and to rescue me out of my old uh, slavery position in the house of the devil, because I was a slave to, to, to his will and his purposes, uh, and, and, and I had no hope in this world. I was without God. That's what Paul says in another place. And, and, and there was no means by which I could ever hope to attain a relationship with my Heavenly Father because I didn't belong to Him. I had to be bought out from up underneath that plantation of the, of the devil, man. And, so, and the price was nothing short of the very life of the Son of the living God and His precious blood. He purchased my redemption. He purchased my salvation. He paid for my sins. So what I'm talking to you about and what we're discussing today has nothing to do with me earning my way to heaven. I can't earn my way to heaven. But that doesn't mean that I'm not supposed to exercise myself in the victory that has been won at Calvary in this sense. I no longer belong to the devil. I belong to God. And now I prove that I belong to God by showing forth the control of my passions in my life before, and I become a tree that's now bearing good fruit. I can't do both. And it has nothing to do with me thinking I'm earning my way to heaven. And if you fall back to that position, then you have deceived yourself, John said. And and, and you are you now not – go ahead, brother, please. Somebody help me. No, no. Finish finish that thought, uh, and I'll go ahead and jump in. Yeah, no, no. That's, that's about all I was trying to say. You know, I deceive okay. myself. If, if I say that, yeah, right? yeah it's, it's, it's not – this is so important because there's many believers, people, people that might be listening that, that may be dealing with this. They, they're, they're hearing a lot of these grace messages and – you know, the work of the cross is accomplished that Jesus did there. It is accomplished. It's a completed work. Salvation is past, present, and future. 
but there yeah. is a responsibility. So Jesus laid the example, gave the example of what it's going to take to be saved. Then just happened. He gave his life completely. Yeah. Right? He set the example, and 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 we must do the same. Now, now, did he save my soul? Yes, he did. He did it for you. He's but but now he lays a responsibility on you. Yeah. I've I I've saved you, but you you have to look what it says here in James one twenty one. It says wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive. Now you that now you have to receive with meekness the engrafted word. Notice which is able to save your souls. It's yeah. an ongoing process. It's done. Yeah. It's complete. But we haven't finished the race. It's something that must be applied daily. Yes. You are you you are saved. The the salvation is complete. Your glorification, your justification, your sanctification sanctification is complete in Jesus Christ. But there is a responsibility now that you have to uh, uh, receive the word of God with meekness, the engrafted word of God daily, apply it, obey it, and you're saving your soul so that when, if you die or when Jesus comes, your salvation is complete. Now, wait a minute. That's, that's where it gets a little, so what are you saying? That I, I have to save my soul now? Because that's what, that's what uh, James is saying. But then Jesus, yes. Jesus do that for me, and that's where a lot of people get, get you know, get, uh, you know, they, 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 they don't understand how this works, yes. right? And that's what we're trying to explain to you. No, it is complete through His death, burial, and resurrection. Now He says, "Look, I gave you the example. I did this for you. Now receive it and apply it. Save your soul." I've done it for you, but now you have responsibility. You have to endure to the end, right? You have to continuously yes. fight this battle of faith. There is nothing you can do to earn salvation. It's already been given and afforded to you, but you have to apply it. You have to receive it daily. That's good. That's, that's exactly yeah. right. I mean, that's, Brother Jeremy, can you read, uh, go back to First Peter? Uh, and 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 before we get to Jeremiah, right? What brother Jer what brother Fernando's saying, um, and I couldn't say it any better than that. But uh, but let's that's that that's what Peter was saying to us yesterday, in First uh, Peter chapter one. Let me see where that is. I think it's verse six, but or seven. Let's see. Are you there, brother? Yes. Yeah, let's see here. Okay, verse verse four. Would you read that? We're picking it up mid thought here, but this is what he says in verse five. I'm sorry, verse five. five. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, that's what Brother Fernando was just saying. It's a twofold thing. He says you're kept by the power of God. That's the resurrection. Yeah. That's the, right. He says, but yeah. it's also it's through your faith, and and mm -hmm. the end of that faith is salvation. So there's there's uh, and and the, and salvation won't be revealed until the end. You know, right. Christ has been paid the justification, like you said. I've been justified by Christ, and I believe that. 
but I'm waiting for the culmination of it, right? And and he says that the two have to go hand in hand. It is God's power that keeps me or watches over me through what I believe. And and that belief grows till the end. That's what Paul was talking about, abounding more and more. It grows to the end where I will receive my salvation, the salvation of my soul, and it will be revealed in the end time. That's what you're talking about, right? The dualistic uh, partnership yes. Or, yes. <laughs> right? that we have with that's God. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word, partnership. It's, it's yeah. all right, I did my part for you. I broke the power of sin, which you could never do. But at, at the right. end of the day, I can't force you to receive this salvation. Yeah. It has to or, be walked out. It has to it be has walked to be out. Received. Yeah, it has to be received daily. So, yes, you have you now have the power, the resurrection power. You have my grace to help you uh walk this 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 salvation out, right? Yeah. Again, and and it's, it's a, there's responsibilities and but what people get it mixed up is okay, what's what is re- spiritual responsibility and works? Right? It, they don't know how right. to distinguish the two. That's and they, exactly and, 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 they, and and they're you know their minds are just spinning because like well what do you mean you know because I, I I don't dare add to what Jesus did on the cross you know right. no you have a responsibility spiritual you're free now you're, right. you're you're prepared unto good works your duty yeah you shouldn't be afraid of those things you shouldn't be afraid the Bible says in the Ten Commandments don't kill don't kill. You don't have to question that. Well, is it works or not? You're not going to kill somebody. Right? You're not right. going to kill somebody. Right. It, it, right. The thing about it, it, it's 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 crazy. But go ahead, Pastor. J- James explains that too. And, and for the listeners, if you want to write this scripture in James chapter two, verse fourteen to twenty-six, I'm not going to read everything, but there's, let me just choose two, three verses from there that I think may help too. In verse 14, he says, What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Verse 17, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And then he gives the example of Abraham, right? Our, the, the father of faith. <laughs> The Bible says that he was justified by works when he, in obedience, offered Isaac, his son, on the altar. So we see that faith and works go together. You know, we must bear fruit. We must bear fruit. Yeah. And I think, and, and I just want to say this last thing, that what I keep thinking about is you, as we were thinking, and I think the big problem in the church today is that we lack, we are void of understanding. You want to know a little bit about that? Read the book of Proverbs. You know, when the, the Bible calls those people simple people, right? They lack. And I just want to read a verse. It says, Behold, be, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youth a young man void of understanding. See? Uh, he, he, he was heading straight to the trap, right, of, what we yes. what the Bible said, what we read to abstain from fornication, right? Right, right. You know, for, for just this last thing, fornication is not just the act of 
illicit sexual, uh, uh, you know, an act, but it's also the ability that the what what it talks about abstaining is the ability to oneself uh, for one to not allow himself to be influenced by another person, and so this is powerful. And that what I'm trying to say is that we lack understanding. We're void of understanding. As you said, Brother Martin, in the beginning, there's no teaching on it, right? It's just faith, 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 but nothing, you know, that, 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 that no, no action, no fruits of that. Right. And you all know my story. I came from, I mean, I used to preach at one of the biggest platforms in, in the nation, you know, and, and what they preached was just that, you know, you look to Calvary, you ain't got to do nothing else. Everything else that you try to do or attempt to do, it will fall under law. And, and and they they are so deceived themselves and the people because they've tied them up in knots and they equate every act of spiritual uh, uh, spiritual uh, fruit to be an act of law, right? And 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 they always tie it to salvation as if they're trying to earn their way with God. And so they've they've put the people under bondage, and you've got more people who who are afraid to pray, afraid to to do anything, read the word. You know, because they think they're falling under law, and they're they're they've got them tied up in knots. And the truth of the matter is, is if and I'm just going to be very delicate here. If you dig behind the scenes, and you look at the lives of those that are supposed to be living the way they're supposed to be living according to this great freedom that they proclaim, you'll find that there is so much compromise there, and so much blatant, uh, <laughs> blatant things that prove that I don't have no victory in my life. It becomes a license to sin. And they, they'll 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 deny that vehemently, but the truth of the matter is is it's riddled with sin, and it's riddled with behind the scenes failure, and they 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 clothe it in in this in this pseudo grace, as if it's okay because uh, it's all been finished for me, and they won't admit that they won't come right out and say that. As a matter of fact, they kill me for saying that. But the truth of the matter is, I know what goes on there. And I know what goes on in some of these other big camps across the country. These people, and, and like, well, I think my wife told me this one time, or I read it somewhere, but it's probably my wife. I'll give her the credit for it. She said, all truth come, I mean, all lies come riding in on the back of some truth. And so, you know, the people get confused because, well, they quote the Bible or they say this or that. Well, that don't, that don't prove it. What proves it is the fruit. Is there love abounding there? Is there is there fruit of, of salvation? Are people getting saved? Are people being delivered from their addictions and, and delivered from, from all the things that sin uh, wreaks havoc on in the believer's life? You know, and, 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 and the truth of the matter is, if you don't see the proof of it, then, then the doctrine that you're following has no power. And especially when Jesus Christ isn't the central focus of it, because it's, it, he's not. Whether it's the hyper-grace camp that removes uh, removes the true Christ from before the people, or it's the it's the cross people who, who who basically have you staring at a wooden beam. Although they'll deny that, they never talk about the resurrection. They they diminish the resurrection, and they even go as far as saying that that even the very apostle Paul that they seek to embrace doesn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh God, over here, he he doesn't have the same revelation that they have. I mean, it's insane. I mean, it goes that far. Or they even go as far as to say maybe James, which you were just quoting for, brother, uh, shouldn't even be in the Bible. You know, that James didn't have the light of the, of, of the revelation. And then, and then they begin to twist and, 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 and manipulate scriptures uh, because, 
because that's what ends up happening. But Paul made it simple. That's what we started. You should know how to possess your vessel. And now, Jeremiah, read read Romans 12, 1 and 2, would you? You should be there by now, because that's what you were quoting. Yeah. And it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The least be you not can conformed. do, oh. hey, Go ahead. Yeah. And, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That sounds like a lot of responsibility on us, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Don't, right? Don't conform. Be transformed. Renew your mind. Prove what right. is good. Show what God accepts. What is his perfect will? I mean, that's a lot of responsibility. Present your body as a living sacrifice. I mean, this is this is this is Paul, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is the apostle right, Paul yeah. talking. And, and so he's saying, look. You know, uh, this is this is this is your reasonable service. This is the least you can do. You can do is take right. control of your vessel. Know how to possess your vessel. You were gonna say, brother, brother Marty. You know, uh, th- there's a scripture in in Second Corinthians five ten that Paul says, and I want to remind the listener. He says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ." That everyone yeah. may receive the things done in his body. Right. According to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. And then he says this knowing that the, therefore the terror of the Lord, <laughs> we persuade man. Wow. So there is a judgment seat. I'm not speaking about the one for eternal. There's a the judgment seat for the things that we did, the acts the work, whatever we have done, whether good or bad, he says, he reminds the church in Corinthians that all of us will one day appear before that judgment seat of Christ, where yeah. we're going to receive the things that, for the things that we did in our body, whether it was good or bad. If that don't bring terror, that don't bring a a holy fear upon you, then I don't know what will. Amen. And then that's it. Yeah. And again, we, we, we've quoted Romans, we've quoted uh, Corinthians, we've quoted James, uh, you know, we've quoted uh, Peter. We're all over the Bible. And, and, and this consistent theme continues to rise to the surface, which is, hey, Christian, quit acting like the world right? and yeah. start acting like Jesus. And, and, and you can yeah. now see. You know, the, the, the justification by faith, it, it saved me. It bought me. He purchased my redemption. And I belong to a new master. See, he's my master. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. And what he afforded me by filling me with his Holy Spirit was the power, the empowerment to make the right choices. I, I had no power to choose before because I belonged to a cruel an evil taskmaster who owned me because of my first father who plunged the entirety of the human race into a position of captivity. But Jesus came and said, okay, I'm going to pay the price to set the prisoner free. And he did. He opened the prison door and he led the prisoners out, all who accept him. He leads them out of the prison house. 
And he gives you the right as a child of God now to make the decision. And there is no legal claim anymore to enforce upon you the restrictive constraints of your former master. And you prove and demonstrate that you belong to a different kingdom now by the fact that you have right to rule and to govern the vessel that was once controlled by the the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in and through the children of disobedience. And Paul says, now I want you to know how to possess that vessel because you are now meant to become a weapon of righteousness in the hand of the Holy Spirit for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Brother Jeremy wrote, he said, you know, if we say we have no sin, as he quoted John, he said, we say we have no sin. We're, we're deceiving ourselves. We got to deal with this, this body because it's all it's ever done until I came to the Lord Jesus Christ was obey the will and the desires of my former master whose, whose influence has completely inhabited me and, and has, has driven me to do many, many things. And I had no power, even if I didn't like the things I did, you know, uh, I had no power to overcome. But once I was purchased on the auction block of sin, <laughs> hallelujah. hallelujah, and the price was heavy, man. There was no greater price that could be paid. He won the entirety of humanity should they choose to walk out of their prisons. And once they do, they become adopted into the household of God. And they now have all the rights, the privileges, and, and and all the dignity that goes with that. And they have been like the prodigal son, have been clothed with a new robe and a ring on, on our finger and, and, and shoes on our feet. Because the fatted calf is going to be killed and was killed for us, right? And we now have all the possessions of the Father's house along with the authority that he's given us. And we can make that choice on an individual basis now. And, it, and, 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 and this is over time, right? This is not going to happen overnight. But unless we understand that uh, our struggle, and, and if we choose to ignore it, it's not going to go away. And you're going to live this miserable life. It's kind of like what Paul said, you know, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What he literally meant by that was put on the good news of this victory through Christ by his Holy Spirit in you uh, through his word. And he says, you tie those shoes on as tight as you can, right? And you tie them on so they'll never come off. And you understand that this is a war and that you now have the authority to have the victory over every area of your life. And it proves what is the will of God. The fact that you can take control of your life and, 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 and after a time, they won't even recognize who you are. You no longer hang with them. You no longer drink with them. You no longer look at some of the things you used to look at. You no longer do the things you used to do. Why? Because there's a different reality on the inside of you. And that baby that was born on the inside of you when you accepted Jesus Christ and received his salvation, and he translated you out of the power of darkness, that is the Father, into the kingdom of his dear son, now walk around as a prince of God, a king and a priest, a royal priesthood. That's what he's saying. And you're proving what is acceptable to God by the very standard that you set by the power of your faith in Christ and what he's done for you. He gives you the ability to make the right choice. And that's an ability we didn't have before. 
And unless we understand this struggle uh, and and acknowledge it, uh, and once we acknowledge it, I should say, and, and when we understand it, then we can properly begin to deal with it in the right way. And and you know, and, and but this is the hardest thing for most people to do. Why? Because was, it requires. Was, uh... huh? No, I was I was telling my wife. I said, you know, uh, speaking her with her yesterday, I said, marriage is 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 what the Lord uses to sanctify man, because that's what He's talking about: possessing the vessel, right? <laughs> possessing your body, but it's also an application of marriage. That's that's how man sanctifies or God sanctifies man, believe it or not, which is quite interesting, right? But it's, yeah. it's how God says, when you come into union with a woman, you're dying to yourself. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you're completely denying yourself of anything else or anyone else. Praise God. Right? You're giving yourself to that woman. And and it's the same with how we uh, walk this walk when it comes to our body. We are giving ourselves unto the Lord. We're not presenting ourselves to to our flesh. These 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 members, these these our hands, our our feet, our eyes. Or we're we're giving it totally and completely unto the Lord as members of righteousness. So yeah. that that's the application that we're talking about. We're in a spiritual warfare, right? Paul used that terminology. I see a law warring against my yeah. members. Right. right, another law. It, it, yeah. yeah, and think about it. You think about it. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about possessing, possessing uh, your vessel, as it relates to uh, a man and his wife. He's talking about not defrauding your brother. He's talking about right. brotherly love. When you say the word love, right, in the in the English, it just means one thing, right. In the Greek, it's four things. It, it means storgi, which is affection between family. Galea, which is friendship, right? Uh, eros, which is romance, right? Agape, yeah. which is the, the love of God. Only, God. only one kind of relationship has these four words in it. That is marriage, right? Yeah. Between a man and a woman. Yeah. Think about that now. If you cannot commit yourself to your wife or commit yourself to God. You will not be able to commit yourself to wife, to your wife. And then if you can't do that, then all these kinds of love begin to be corrupted. But it yes. starts first what, what, the, what the Bible seems to indicate, and this is pretty deep because this is going to speak to a lot of believers, a lust takes over you yeah. to desire something else. That's why, brother, we have a hypersexual generation, Christians now, yes, that are dealing with lust in their hearts, and that's why they're going after these doctrines that 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 say you're going to have victory over these things. <laughs> right. The truth of the matter, right? But the truth of the matter is, if we if we just open up the curtains a little bit and talk the truth, these are things that Christians are struggling with. In their own walk, their homes yeah. are not right. Their marriages are not right. Their personal lives are not right. They're, they're, they're miserable. They don't know how, how to love their brother. But it all stems 
from from not understanding how to possess their own vessels. Yes. It all stems from not understanding how to properly walk according to what God has prescribed that we are to do. And that that's just really excellent. And and that is that is it. it uh in a, exactly, you know, and, and like we were saying, to understand our struggle, we have to first acknowledge the struggle that we yes. have in the struggle. Right. Can't run from it, hide from it, ignore it. It's there, and I don't care what they say. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, as they say, right? A tree is known by its fruit. You know, I'll know what you. I'll know. That's what James said when Brother Jeremy was quoting earlier. You know, you show me your faith, uh, and I'll show you my my faith by what I do, by my works. It'll prove, like Brother Jeremiah just read what Paul, quoting Paul, he said, proving what is acceptable to God. Show the world that 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 you're not the same as them. Show them that you have control, that you're able to discipline yourself, because you're connected to a higher thought and a higher reality, which is going to last and endure for ages to come. And you're being primed and, 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 and disciplined for that next world. And it's, it's, it's your reasonable service. At least you can do is take control of your life and how you live it. And, and, and to understand this struggle, we have to acknowledge that it's there, that it's there. It's been raging you know, for eons, this, this corrupted, defiled material realm. Yes. And, and 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 we prove the 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 power of God and what happened at, at at the resurrection when we take over the most miniature of things, which is our own body. It's the smallest thing, but yet you know, if we don't acknowledge it, uh, that we are actually having to deal with it, as the Scripture reveals to us. Uh, then we uh, then we'll never have victory. And, and he said, you know, if you acknowledge it, uh, and and then when we understand it properly, um, we can start dealing with it. And like we were saying earlier, uh, and I love what you just said it so well. Uh, this is the hardest thing for most believers to do, and and why? Because it requires absolute brutal honesty, complete mm-hmm. honesty, and self assessment and examination by uh, the grace of the Holy Spirit who takes us through the word and begins to reveal to us where we fall short. And I want to close real quick here because we, we've gone on a little bit long today, but but let's turn over to James chapter 1 where you guys were quoting earlier. You were all around it. You actually quoted verse 21, you know, receive the engrafted word. That's really cool, right? Because he's literally talking about the Lord meshing himself with our with our being. Receive it. Receive him. Because he's able to save your soul, to to renew your mind, like Jeremiah was quoting earlier from Romans chapter 12. So James reveals this struggle to us. And and he does it as he's moved by the Holy Spirit. Are you there in James chapter 1? Yes. James chapter 1. Look what he says here. He says in verse 13, he says, Do not let anyone say when he is tempted that he's tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and neither does he tempt any man. But listen to this. But every, we were talking about brutal honesty now, and what Brother Fernando was just saying too. He said, every man, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. That's what you were just talking about. 
And when you begin to dig into those words, what James is actually saying here, uh, the word drawn away is, it, this is the process. He begins this this temptation, this trial of the enemy. He begins to draw you out. He, he's like, he's bringing you out. And, and it's a metaphor. It has the idea of being lured. Like a fisherman or a hunter is literally what it means. Like when a fisherman goes to fish for fish, he takes a, he takes his, not only his fishing pole, but he brings every kind of hook. He brings every kind of bait. Because <laughs> right? you don't know right. exactly what the fish is actually going to be hungry for that day, right? Or the hunter, he lures the prey out of the protection of the covering uh, of the forest or whatever. He's trying to get that animal to come out into the open. And James is saying that is how the enemy begins to deal with you. He'll come around you. He'll try to draw you out like a fisherman tries to draw a fish to the hook at the surface of the water or a hunter tries to get that 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 animal out of his protective covering in the forest he tries to draw him out and he says you need to understand that that what that implies is that the enemy is going to be searching and and scrutinizing and and paying attention to how you live looking for an opening looking for yeah. an opportunity Looking for a weakness, uh, a, a window that's partially cracked uh, on the second floor, right? Like the burglar sees it from the street. Oh, there's an opening, you know, or a door left unlocked, you know, the front door. Oh, there's another opening, you know, whatever it may be. That's the idea. He says, understand your, when you come into this struggle, it is because he has found something. He's drawn you out. That's how he begins to do it. And it's so subtle. For some, it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But we're talking about some even deeper things here as we go into the things of God. Because we're being perfected. And Paul said, you need to know how to take control of these areas. Understand it. And reflect through it. See, when you have this in order, you become like King David. He experienced it when he talks in the psalm about, you know, you, you're, you came upon me and my vessel became completely controlled by you. And by it, I was able, by your spirit in my vessel, uh, who, who, who I learned how to allow you to take control of me, I was able to run through a, a, a troop of soldiers and, and leap over a wall without even having to touch it. <laughs> so so yeah. he wants us to become a weapon of righteousness. And he says, you're drawn out. You're like that. It, it, how the devil, he comes like a hunter. He comes like a fisherman. And he's looking for the right thing to snare you. And he says, but understand this. And this is what we're talking about, brutal honesty. He says, every man is drawn away of his own lust. See, this is the hardest thing for us to admit to ourselves. Many people yeah. that I have seen fall or, or, or who have lost their testimony, myself included. Because I've been through that. And that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> so, well, listen. Well, didn't, didn't didn't David say, "My sin is ever before you." Ever before me. Yes. Or ever before uh, before me. Yeah. And he, what he's saying is, it's you already know my struggle. You yeah. know, he's, 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 he, I can't hide it from you. And and and, and I remember, you know, it, 
and we've spoken many times, you know, of uh, the struggles of, of, of man. And there's so many, so many men and women. We're flesh. We're broken. We're, we're in this, you know, this corrupted body, you know, yeah. and, 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 and it's not so much to say, oh, Lord, I didn't want to do this, and I just fell. No, there are some sins that people delight in, and they have to be brutally honest and say, yeah. Lord, these things, my flesh and my flesh, I enjoy them. I like doing them, but they're wrong. Yeah. They're in, it's disobedience to you. Yes. I, I can't <laughs> do that. I shouldn't be doing it. That's the kind of scrutiny we're talking about a self-examination there are things That's that good. we in our flesh delight in we yes. love to do and we have to let god know look i need your grace it's wrong I'm, right. this is wrong but but i yep. can't continue this way but i need your grace right right and and brother what you're saying yeah. there is so vital and so important because uh that is the first thing that unlocks your key to victory because people are going, okay, so what do I do? I'm a mess. I suck. I admit it. You know, well, that's good. You admit it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I suck. I admit it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I did it. I did it. It, it. it reminds me, you know, there's this modern day preaching about this kind of stuff. It reminds me of the little kid who, who, uh, you know, he eats the cookie out of the cookie jar and he puts the lid back and his mama just happens to walk in right when he's finishing that last bite. And then she goes, are you eating cookies? And he turns to her, and he's got crumbs on his chin, and, and he stops chewing, and he goes, mm-mm, mm-mm, cookies. I mean, that's kind of like what Christians do. Are you, are you, you know, <laughs> you know, I ain't doing nothing. Well, no, that ain't true. And God knows it, and and you brother, know. <laughs> brother, brother Marty, it's it, it, that's why it's so powerful. That with the scripture that we read at the beginning, for this is the will of God, right? Even your sanctification, and, and yeah. you asked the question at the beginning: Why does He say fornication? Why didn't He say something mm-hmm. else? Abstain from fornication. And as you and as I read the definition here, it, it's you know, uh, fornication is more than the acts and to indulge in these unlawful lusts. But at the end, it says this, brother. It says. Fornicate is to permit oneself to be drawn away by another. Yeah, there you go. And, by and another, right? You know, and that's what he's saying. Abstain yourself. Don't allow yourself. Don't allow. Don't permit. Don't allow for oneself to be drawn away. And how do you do that? And that's what we're talking about. You know, yeah. it's it's it starts with what you said. Just being brutally honest and subjecting. Yes. That that's what Romans speaks about. Is yielding your members, subjecting yourself to the will of yeah. God. It didn't say your flesh was going to like it, <laughs> right. but you do yeah. it because yeah. it's the right thing to do because this is what the Word of God says. And Brother Fernando, yeah. what are you saying? That's no, yeah. that's, that's exactly it. it it's, it's right. And that, and that's and yeah. again, you know, it's his own lust, right? Every man is drawn away. And he and he'll search and he'll hunt and he'll peck and he'll look for that one thing. See, now I know that there's some of them people that that are listening right now that that are going, well, gosh, man, there's, you know, I know this. You're putting me under law now. I just feel all guilty and bound. Well, <laughs> that's because you're still a baby, right? You you don't you don't get it. You don't understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have the power in the name of Jesus 
but there are things that we must put into practice in our life in order to build the barriers necessary between me and that world out there. And this is a diligent thing. Now, remember this, the Lord never required us to do anything more than one day at a time. And if you can't walk one day at a time apart from that thing that you you feel bound by, then you love that thing and you're holding on to that thing, but you haven't ever truly getting, gotten that honest. And I'm not talking about just, you know, guilt. I feel guilty about what I did. And so I hit my knees and say, God, forgive me. And I feel good until the next time you're still being drawn away. But you have to understand at the depth of what, what we believe the apostles are revealing to us here, and it is the hardest thing for us to admit to ourselves, is that it is my own exclusive lust that still abides within me. But I have to admit that to myself. I have to admit that to myself and then admit it to God. Truly admit it to him, like Brother Fernando was saying earlier too, and and take it to him in prayer. There were things in my life, and I'm talking about, you know, things over a lifetime of walking with God. That I, I'm trying to tell you something that he brought me to understand. And that, and that yes, he'll forgive me every time I fail. And yes, he'll, he'll cleanse me because that's his promise. But he's expecting me to reach the point where I will make the choice and the decision to suck it up by his grace and he will take it from me. Otherwise his word isn't true because he said, he said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, right? Resist the devil, resist him. And he will flee from you because God takes over that. I can't tell you as a young man, as a young man, I had a lot hard time controlling my passions as a young man. And I'm just being brutally honest. And and I used to just, you know, fail in areas and fail in these areas and fail in these areas. And I would weep and cry and, and I just go through this vicious cycle. And, and 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 then I would fall. And then I would get up and I might string together a few weeks of good and then I'd blow it again. But as I began to understand what God was trying to show me about myself. It wasn't that the temptation or the trial was so overwhelming that I I couldn't deal with it. Otherwise, God wouldn't be true because he says, I've made a way of escape for you. It was first having to admit to him that each and every single time that I have failed, it has been because there is something in me that still wants this thing. And so rather focusing on the thing that led to my failure, he began to reveal to me, ask me to take the thing that you want to do from you and admit that it's there to me, that kind of honesty, and and, and, and own up to it. It's your lust. It's yeah, your yeah. longing, yeah. right? Because <laughs> God, God don't tempt nobody with evil. That's what James was saying, right? He, it ain't God putting yeah, you yeah. to the death, right? It's the devil that he's found something in you. That is in your mortal yeah. body, your flesh, right? So he says it's your yeah, love. Many, many people, many, many ahead, people say that the apostle, that many people teach the apostle Paul had no control over the sins he was committing. That's not what he's saying. No you know, way. He said <laughs> I didn't. He didn't have a revelation of no. Uh-huh. He's basically, saying these are things in us that we want to do. Right. Right. But it, it, where do you? It, it, John, uh, the Apostle John spoke like this. He said, I speak to you, my little children. I think this, this speaks
speaks of levels of maturity. I think this is where most of the modern day church, particularly in America, finds itself. Uh, and he speaks to them and says, I speak to you because your sins are forgiven. That's one of the issues that a lot of Christians uh, can get over. You know, they, they, they don't understand how to get over this guilt trip that sin brings. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to overcome it. Right, yes. so they're little children, and you and, and, and they like you said, it's this vicious cycle of sinning and asking for forgiveness, sinning and asking for forgiveness. But he's speaking to them, hey, I, I speak to you because your sins are forgiven. Understand that, yes, right. And then he speaks to a next level of maturity uh, of mature people. He says, I speak to you, young men, for you have overcome the evil one. Yeah, that's the next level where you understand, like he said, flee from resist the devil. Right? Yes. Free from your, uh, flee from your youthful lust. Now you've understand how he comes at you and how, like you said, how he tries to lure you and, and throw that bait in there so, so you can be drawn away of your own lust. Yeah. So now you're, you're understanding, wait a minute, no, I'm not a little child no more. I've understand my sins are forgiven at the cross. I, I, I'm moving forward and I've understood who I'm, who I'm up against and how he's working against my life. Yes. And I am doing everything possible to 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 make sure I don't put myself in those positions and walking in obedience of the word of God, and I'm not yeah. and I'm not even with guilt am I on law or not because I'm doing these things. No, I am trying to walk in obedience to what God has said, and I am trying to uh, uh, surround myself right with godly people, not the people of the world who are going to make me trip or. You know, and and, and 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 things of that nature. Whatever you, whatever it is that you have to do to make sure you don't fall, you have to do those things. Yeah. Right? And 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 then there's that next level where he says, "I speak to you, fathers, for you have known him who is from the beginning." Yeah. Now, now you're you're at a level where you're understanding who the resurrected Christ is, and 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 he is from the beginning. He has given yeah. way to this new way, this new life. And now you're beginning to understand who you are, your purpose the purpose of God for you here on this earth. Yes. Many people never get there, brother, because they can't get past that first stage of, of, of dealing with their own sin and condemnation. That's why Paul said those words, for there is no condemnation yeah. right, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, this is this is process we're talking about. It's a whole lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right? This is yeah. process. You're not going to get there overnight, but you I think we're giving the people the tools necessary, uh, uh, the the advice and, and the, the godly advice, biblical advice of what it takes right. to get there. You have to admit there is lust in your heart that will draw you away from God. And you have yes. to let him know. You have to tell the Lord, this is my weaknesses. And if it was left up to me, I will go run after those things. But I need yeah. the help. Right. I need, right? Whatever you got to tell him, right? I mean, I mean, you know, you know, I, and I think also what you're talking about there is, and what you mentioned, Paul, is really profound because ah, oh, he couldn't overcome his sins and all that kind of stuff. That's what he's talking about. No, see, you people that say that stuff, they speak at it from a perspective of their own failures, right? So they assume yeah. the apostle had some kind of, you know, thing on the side there that he's trying to deal with. That's a bunch of garbage. And don't let anyone put that in your mind. Paul said what it was. He said, lest I be exalted above measure because of the abundance of the revelations that I have. A, a messenger of Satan has been sent to buffet me. 
you know, and, and he's talking about that struggle that he had that came against him. When you walk with God at the level that they are telling us is possible, the, the slightest breaking of fellowship with the Holy Spirit will grieve you as if you had just gone and, 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 and done the worst sin that you used to do before you got saved. We're talking about a high level of fellowship and union with the Spirit. And what God is calling us to is so much higher than that. It is a place of walking with him where you become a habitation of God yeah, through the Spirit, right? Yes. And, yes. and, and, and so I, I think, you know, we've gone pretty long today. So let's pick it up here tomorrow in this process that we're talking about. Because we're talking about the trial of your faith. We're talking about the practical aspects of walking in the things of God. And what we really are trying to communicate is that we have a responsibility to live a particular way and that we that right. we can do this. We have victory in the resurrection and, and we belong to the Lord. But there is a process of of acknowledgement and of and of dying to self. You know, until right. we get to the point where Paul said, it is no longer me that's living, but it's Christ in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That is the faith that the Son of God had, that what he would do in paying the price to purchase me and giving that over into the Father's hands when he said, into thy hand I commend my spirit, that three days later he would rise him from the dead with that victory to prove what was the acceptable will of the Father, and that each and every one of us in taking control of our vessels and dying to this material world and this flesh that has dominated me for however long it's been, I am literally retelling the story on a daily basis that I reject yeah. this old world and I've come alive and by by I've come alive by the resurrection of my Lord who is who is alive in me. And and I'm testifying by dominating what once used to dominate me, that the victory's been won and we're headed to another place. And 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 that's what we want to get into tomorrow. We want to get into the more intricate details because he goes on and, and begins to break down why it is that we fail. He talks about being drawn away by your own lust. He talks about being enticed. He talks about uh, lust conceiving, bringing forth sin, sin bringing forth death. It's process. But with each and every particular thing that he points out, there is revealed in the words that he chooses the very same things, uh, very same instruction on how we will have the victory and how we can overcome. And, and this is the greatest of all testimonies and the greatest of joys that we have in that we know that we can rest in him now because he's taught us some things. Amen. And it doesn't mean that you're you're completely divorced from an occasional this or that, you know, that might slip you up. But when you begin to see these kinds of things, like David talked about, right? Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not I sin against you, right? right? And we have this capacity. So it is it is the failures of, of the modern church and their inability to understand this or not to be honest enough to admit I didn't fall because yeah. God tried me. I didn't fall because the devil was just you know on me because I'm so special. You know the devil was trying to. Or take I didn't me. know. Or I didn't know something. You know? Yeah. Or I didn't know this or that. No, man. 
You did it because you wanted to. That's why you did it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's okay. Because that's the first thing to admit to yourself. I wanted this. And now I need like, oh, brother, what you said earlier was beautiful. You know, little children, you know, get over it. Your sins are forgiven. Young man, you've yeah. overcome the devil. That's awesome. Right? And then fathers, you now know him in his fullness. That's beautiful. And that's what we want to talk about is that victory, that true victory in Christ where our desires are changed. Our desires are changed. And we are transformed, like Jeremiah read earlier, by the renewing of our minds. So we hope you join us tomorrow for our continued study on the trial of our faith. God bless you, and we Amen. love you, brother Jeremy. Would you would you would you would you close us out? Yes, yes, and I, I just want to leave you with this as we get ready to close. The last words that Paul gave Timothy was this, and I'm going to just paraphrase it. He says, he didn't say, "Be careful of the devil," "Be careful of this." He said, "Be careful of yourself." We are <laughs> our own worst enemy, you know. And so yeah. that, that's interesting to consider. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow, tomorrow's uh, study on this subject because I believe uh, the church as a whole, you know, we lack uh, the knowledge. There's so many much confusion, but it's very simple. It's in the Word of God. If we just dig in, you know, what God is requiring. We pray that you've been blessed with this uh, Bible study. Tune in with us tomorrow, Lord willing, and uh, may God bless you and keep looking up.